Hi everyone, I'm Eloise Sutton-Kirkby and you're listening to the Contract Recruiter Podcast. This is a show where we speak to recruitment industry experts about how to start and scale a successful contract business. We'll be taking you on a global tour, unwrapping contract recruitment country by country. And today we're starting with Japan, the land of the rising sun, or the land of the rising contractor as one of today's guests calls it. We're joined today by two true experts in the field, Jason DeLuca and Bernie Shima. Jason's been living and working in the Japanese recruitment industry for 25 years. In addition to running his own successful contract recruitment firm, Smart Partners, Jason runs bilingual training programs for recruiters, he's a non-exec, and he advises international recruitment firms on how to enter the Japanese market. As for Bernie, well, he spent 16 years as a recruitment business owner in both the UK and Japan. He co-founded recruitment firm James Harvard and helped to grow that business to 350 people in under six years. In 2007, Bernie sold his business to Hayes and completed his earnout as managing director of Hayes Japan. Post-sale, Bernie pivoted into the wonderful world of tech and today he is CEO at Vincere, a CRM platform for recruiters. So welcome back to episode number two in the Contract Recruiter and we're back in Japan the land of the rising contractor and the second largest recruitment market in the world. So perhaps you listened to episode one and uh, you run an international recruitment business elsewhere in the world. Maybe you're looking to expand internationally. Perhaps you're tempted by the 40% margins and the sheer size of the opportunity that Japan offers. After all, it does have 17% of the global staffing market share. And this is the podcast for you. So today we're back with the experts, Jason and Bernie. Hey, welcome back, guys. Thank you. And, say experts, but, yeah. <laughs> and today we're going That's to be focusing. We're going to be focusing on how to set up a recruitment business in Japan, uh, particularly a contract business. So, what's required of you logistically, legally? How long will it take? And of course, how much will it cost? And so, Jason, you really are the expert in this domain. And Try. I know you snigger when you when I say this, but it's true. Um, so you've got you know you've been helping. Australia-based, UK-based recruitment firms land in Japan and scale up uh, for 25 years now. And so, so over to you. What does it okay. take? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, 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 takes, it takes quite a lot, but uh, I just think for the sake of this discussion and stuff, we've, we've kind of narrowed it down to about seven steps. Uh, some of it's going to be just, you know, kind of boring, kind of housekeeping kind of stuff that pretty much in any market you're going to have to do. Um, but we just want to make sure that it's organized uh, and kind of a simple process just so that people can kind of get their heads around it. Uh, and mm-hmm. then if Bernie wants to jump in with a question or a comment and stuff, of course he's welcome. So what's sort of first thing that I need to be thinking about as a recruitment entrepreneur, recruitment owner, landing in Japan, start this business? What do I need to do? Well, I mean, again, it's, it's going to be the same as with any market, but, you know, you do need to have a remote team established, set up your company and get your working visa. Um, mm-hmm. Now, depending on the, the background uh, of, the, of the person who's going to be starting up the business, whether you want to do this remotely first, because uh, it will take a few months to set this stuff up, um, you'll have to think about that. Um, there are local companies here that can provide uh, like a remote hand service where they set up your business. They'll uh, put a director uh, on your board to, to get all the licensing and, and stuff like that done just for the business itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they can uh, help you uh, with the visa process as well. That'll kind of shave off a few months for, for the establishment uh, so that you can land here 
uh, and hit the ground running. So step number one, establish a company and get Absolutely. a visa. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and like I said, I, I do highly recommend that people just outsource that, ask, you know, a local expert to take care of all that stuff for you. There's really no reason for you to be doing that yourself. Um, the, the second thing is, Obviously, you need to have an office, uh, and especially for th this will come up uh, as important a little bit later, but the first, you'll need to get a certain size office space that is specifically used for uh, recruitment and contract recruitment services. So it's important that um, the company that's working with you to, to, to source your office and, and that sort of thing, they need to know that up, up, uh, up front. That, that can just be a WeWork you know a certain size we work office or you know if you want something cheaper out there in the, in the in the bush you can do that can't you for the short term uh, and then you know then have a different office when you set up your business later right uh, well at first if it's that. just establishing just the business as a comp uh, you know, yeah just as as a as a paper business at first yes that's that's what you can do uh, however when you do move on to apply for the recruitment license and that other stuff you will then need to have a uh a a specific space just for the recruitment service, a dedicated space for the recruitment service. And then that's where you'll have to have uh, a dedicated office. You won't be able to do that from a WeWork. Understood, understood, yeah. cool. Okay, um, and then, so let's say, okay, you got the, the company set up, uh, you have the office and all that, uh, you do get here, you're here now. Um, I have this as a separate step because this is one of the, sometimes the simplest, but also sometimes the most frustrating um, part of, uh, of the process, which is you have to take a paid recruitment manager course. It's a one day, eight hour course. It's all done in Japanese, but you know, you don't have to understand what, what anybody is saying, but you do have to sit through it uh, and, as it will have your name at, at the completion at the bottom of the paper. Um, and you'll need this completed course before you can start the licensing process after. And so I've had several cases where we, I was brought in to, to help uh, kind of in the middle of the process and they didn't, they didn't have that done yet. And then when we went online to reserve their spot, all the spots were booked up. It's a very busy course uh, and they had to wait a month. And so literally everything was just stalled and uh, so, until so they it's could. A, it's, a, it's advisable to, to once, once almost like you've, you've got your visa to almost book that course before you, you fly over. To, Absolutely. To, Just have it in. You can do it online. All it's going to require is uh, your name and, and, some, and a work address or work email address and stuff like that. But absolutely get that in there. Um, and then again, I say go the next step and, and just go ahead and bite the bullet and get the one for, for temp. Haken, uh, the hourly based Haken services as well. Um, it's it's going to be a bit rough. That'll that'll be another full day of doing that. But later on, if you decide to to go down that uh, pathway and get those licenses as well, you're going to need it. So, just you know, it, it's it's going to. Is that rough. what you did? Uh, is that what you did, Bernie? Can you remember? Yeah, I did. I sat through two full day courses. Didn't understand a single word. Um, uh, I just advise people don't show up with a hangover. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> sage very, advice very make a note yeah. of that listeners okay so, so i've done the courses what's yeah. next okay so the next thing is going to be the actual licenses and again i i do recommend uh, that you have uh, legal advice for them to do that uh, however i do recommend that you also sit down and see everything that they're filling out so that you understand why everything is the way that it is and kind of what they have to do um and again if you know, I mean, if, if, if you've got the financing for it and, if, and uh, if you're considering doing temp staffing the Huck and maybe even later on, 
that you go ahead and apply for those licenses at the same time. You don't necessarily have to use it right away, um, but it's, you know, if, again, it's early stages and it, it does make sense to, um, to put that through, um, you know, if you can, right. And if, and if you I, don't I have think, the budget, think, yeah. I think one thing that's so, important to note for businesses, if they want to apply, if they think I can hold off applying for the temp license, which is fine. Uh, and just do the perm first. If you want to offer temp to perm from what my, from my experience is that you need the, the temp license. So and, it's, it's, Exactly. That's, yeah, words out of my mouth. So that's exactly it. So the, the, the one thing, and, and I do, when I do advise on this, I say just have that temp license and just basically mothball it until you're really going to need it. And then what happens, you have somebody who's on the fence about getting an offer or not and say, look, how about we do a three month right to hire? Well, you've got the license. And then you can go ahead and put the person on a contract, you know, on a, a temporary contract for say three months and then just do a conversion. Um, it's just a nice thing to have. If, even if you don't want to go full on into the temp staffing services from the beginning, that's okay. So just, just, so just to summarize, you established the, the company, you've got the visa, then, then you've got the office, then you fly to Japan, uh, you complete your courses in uh, you know your two day two two single day courses one for uh, one for perm one for hacken and then you get your licenses. That's that's four points. What's what's next? Well, then you got to build a team. So the uh, now again, this is always going to depend on the type of budget that you have and and of course that sort of thing. But I mean, I, I always look at it that even if you're going to run it from uh, a skeleton crew of as many uh, of, of as minimal amount of people as possible, you are still looking at you want to have the director of the business to be a billing director. They're going to be working the phones. They're going to be working with customers, uh, talking with candidates, and doing that sort of thing. But I do strongly recommend that you do have a local native Japanese person sourcing. And that's basically all that they're going to do. Um, because, you, you know, you're going to be building up a database pretty much from scratch. And so you're going to need that person fully dedicated to that role. Uh, the other thing that I do strongly recommend is that you have someone else fully dedicated to just handling all of the office issues that could be answering the main line, uh, handling billing, interfacing with your legal team, because there'll just be little contract things will come up that you'll have to do. Um, these, this person can also be in charge of, you know, helping with the master agreements to send to the customers and that sort of thing. Um, if budgeting and stuff is an issue, you know, you don't necessarily have to have the person there full time. You could have somebody there just say five hours uh, every day. Um, yeah, just depending on, on that. But I just do recommend that you have someone dedicated to that. Uh, yeah. And I've had situations where they, they, they actually had the, the local Japanese sorcerer fulfill that role as well. It was just too much for them. And when they started getting busy, they just weren't able to do anything else. I'm guessing like a lot of people who'll be listening to this, they will be kind of directors or owners of recruitment firms elsewhere in the world, like Sydney or London, for example. What would you say to um, a listener who's thinking of sending across their top biller, maybe someone who's got a very strong track record in you know, contract recruitment in to build that Tokyo office? Uh, what would your advice be? Or have you seen it before? Uh, like I said, I, uh, you know, I've seen situations where they had someone who was a fantastic biller back home and they were a little bit too aggressive, too much for this market and they actually didn't do so well. And then the net result is, is that you lost a great biller back home and then you sent them into an environment where maybe he or she is not going to be as successful. Um, mm. Sometimes what made them a successful biller back home and stuff maybe isn't exactly uh, the same skill set to make somebody successful here, but... We're going to talk about that in the next um, episode of the podcast, actually, the kind of cultural nuances and risks, sure. I guess, of the sure. Japanese market, because it is different. Eloise, I think would... there's one, 
one thing mm. to add on that is 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 what we did was I went over as one of the partners in the business, so I came over and set it up. And I think you've got to say to yourself, if that's going to be the case, and say you've got a business of two, three, four of you, um, what one of the partners has to do is is say to them, right, okay, I'm going to commit a couple of years to this. I tried the six-month strategy, and it was just it was never going to work. So what you want to do is you want to have the commitment, and if you if you've got a, if you've got a, 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 the other half in tow with kids, it makes it even more important. So what you do is you could have a person go over, they commit to two years. It's easy to get an apartment. If there's schooling and things like that, it's, it's simple to get all that set up. But generally speaking, you know, that's also a good option is to, is to rather than hire a person there, um, you know, what you do is you, you, you bring one of your partners in and put them down there for two years. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, the, the, the upside, right? Okay, fair enough. You might think I can do it in a Western country. I don't have to do that in Singapore or Hong Kong. But the upside of Japan with 126 million people versus four to eight million respectively with the other two locations is mm. so immense. It's just worth the effort. Yeah, understood. Um, Jason, I mean, we could talk about how to build a team, the kind of people to hire into that team for, for ages. Yeah, sure. Um, but let's stick to our seven steps of success here. What's next? And, and again, I, I keep this as a separate step. Uh, I, I don't like uh, too much strategizing. And, and, and again, I know it's a big market. There's lots of opportunities and stuff. But I really make it one step, which is just race car in the red to that first placement fee. That you, you throw out all the stops and you hold off on, on basically anything that's not billing related. And you really just focus on that. Um, you know, you're looking at five to six weeks uh, of an interview to offer process. Uh, you know, I'm sure it's pretty much the same in other markets. And even now that they have fast tracking for, for really good candidates and stuff like that. But as a rule of thumb, you're looking at somewhere between, you know, four or five to six weeks and stuff to go through that whole process. Then if the person's working, you're looking at a one month uh, notification period. So, you're looking at a time lag. And so I just say from the moment you're allowed to legally conduct uh, the business, that's the main focus. Um, and then that connects, you know, to, to, to the last, uh, to the last step, which is seven, which again, I consider the growth strategy. It's always just one at a time, you know, uh, one, one job, one person at a time. Uh, and then from there, you'll start to build out um, your candidate base, your client base. That's when you'll start, safely kind of easing into uh, a contract business. You'll have the revenue, uh, you'll have the transactional experience, you'll start to learn more about the market. And then the contract business will just be kind of a natural extension of that. So I've got a, thanks for that, Jason. So there's seven kind of steps to success. All sound very, very sensible, but I want to know, how much is this going to cost me? Yeah. <laughs> so again, we, we kind of went over this back and forth, right, with, with uh, itemizing and line items and stuff like that. I, again, I'd say a general rule of thumb, if you're assuming all the things we talked about in the beginning, you're not here, you don't already have a business set up and all that other stuff. I'm saying somewhere between three to 400,000 US uh, for year one. And that's, that's basically getting an office, getting the licenses, uh, getting what team of two to three people yep. uh, to start and just focusing on billing and getting in and starting to prove the, the concept. Yeah. So I mean, you're going to, you got to kit out the office and, you know, again, you'll have salaries, you'll have the, the, with the rent and you have to have stuff set aside for, you know, office chairs and all that other kind of stuff. But when you, when you itemize that whole list for that first year, that's basically what it always comes to. It's going to be somewhere around that. Um, of course, there's ways to, to shave off uh, here and there and stuff from that. And it's totally possible. 
Um, but again, just as a general rule of thumb, I like to kind of put that number in people's minds just so that they, they're, they're, they're prepared for that. And then if they come in and do it for less, then that's fantastic. But that's generally what they need to, to commit to. And in terms of timeline, let's say that I am running my business in London or in Sydney. Um, I don't want to be here for the first three steps. You know, I, I only want to be away from my primary business for as little a time as possible. Yeah. Realistically, from the moment I touch down at Hanada Airport, Narita Airport, how long is it going to take me until I receive payment on that first invoice from a client? I would say somewhere between four to six months. Um, again, mm. once you have the like, because the licensing process and stuff will have to happen after you've taken that, you've, you've completed that course. So you'll have to add a few months for that. And then the person goes in, in into the process and stuff once you've uh, been legally allowed to offer the service. Why, why don't I just have someone else do that course for me? Well, you can do that. Um, the only issue is that their name will be on that certificate and they'll need to be an employee and they'll, they'll, they'll be, I mean, it's, it's perfectly acceptable to do that. That's fine. However, so if, they I'm just, if, they, if they leave, can they transfer that, that over to nope, me or do and No. And that's the thing. That's why I say uh, that the, 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 the person, the responsible party, just bite the bullet, get your names on every, get your name on everything mm. and just have that thing there. Because again, if God forbid something happened and someone gets sick or there's a family issue, they have to suddenly leave. I mean, it's not like your license is going to disappear or anything, but just as immediately as soon as possible, you will need to go and get somebody else uh, through that course. And again, depending on how busy it is that time of the year, it might take up to a month or more uh, to do so that. Let, let, so let's just say, let's just say though, that if I'm willing to take that risk, I could potentially have someone else do that course yes. for me. Yes. Right. And then, and then I could have the light apply for the license and then I could show up to start building the team. Absolutely. Okay? Right. Okay. So I could, I could skip the first four steps and show up the, the fifth step to build team and then spend three, three, four months or building that sure. up, helping the guys build. And then, you know, hopefully that, that team can then take over if I was that way inclined. Yes. I mean, the business itself wouldn't skip the steps. I mean, that, that person's direct involvement would be skipped. Yeah. And they could do some stuff remotely that could be adding people on LinkedIn or, you know, having video conferences and stuff and doing a lot of the, uh, the, the more business development related work during that time. Sure. They can do that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Can okay. I add just a couple of things just to, just to this to be aware of and in, in, uh, for, for, for our listeners? Just uh, one thing when you're going out and getting uh, um, job boards are very different in Japan. So a job board, um, you don't have like a Seek in Australia or like a Monster. Um, what they tend to do is they tend to cost around about one to $2,000 per job, right? Um, and what they, the, the idea, you know, the LinkedIn uh, emails, that came from the Japanese job boards. So what you have is that you, you, you spend one to $2,000 per job on, on an advert um, that people will apply. Um, but if you want to access their database, you can buy what they call in-mails, right? And then you get the same thing too, but you can only contact this, a limited amount of Japanese. Um, so just be aware of that, that, uh, that you, know, you can't just go there and put 30 jobs on, on job boards and go and you know, suck in all those people. That won't work. Um, so that you're going to have a strategy for, for, for gathering candidates. And I think a lot of that, you know, your, your, um, you know, your, uh, I suppose candidate attraction strategy is going to be super important when entering that market. And again, that's why I recommend having somebody fully, a local person fully dedicated to that because you're going to be new to the market. No one's going to have heard of you before. And, you know, again, having a, a native speaker on the other end of the phone, you know, it, it's just going to be, it, it's just going to break down just one extra barrier that you're going to have to deal with. Um, and so I just, I strongly recommend 
uh, doing that. And I think having someone like team. you, Jason, whether it's you or someone else that knows the market, I think also, you know, things like where do I locate my office? Like, for example, I was fortunate that I had some advice. I located it in a place called Tomeki Sano uh, that had about four stations converging on it, which mm. meant that uh, if I wanted to meet people in general, you need to meet people. People want to meet you, put mm. a face to the voice because, uh, you know, the Japanese are very, very cautious um, and they want to come to your office and meet you after work or meet you, you know, lunchtime. It's great to be positioning yourself in, you know, a place near stations because everything's by, by uh, taxis are expensive. So the best way of transportation in, in, in Tokyo, or especially Tokyo, is, uh, is, is by trains or anywhere within Japan, right? Yeah, and, and also just depending on the type of clients, I mean, if you, if you focus on a, a specific type of client or you have a couple of large clients that might be uh, concentrated around a certain station, yeah, then you might even think of setting up near, near that just so that it would be easier to go visit them. The clients will see that on the business card, and that's kind of a nice thing. You know, there's lots of different things. I mean, again, it just depends on your budget. Um, and and, and, and just, and just one thing on the team, what would you say when people are looking for a particular person, say, say they, they don't have the option of bringing a partner over, um, they, they're really time poor, what, you know, just looking at a particular, if you're looking for someone to come in and run that business, what, what, would, you, what would you say, what would be the ideal person? I mean, again, if, if your end goal is you do want to run uh, a contract, uh, mainly a contract business, I would not say, I would not recommend getting a, a super experienced um, local contract person in that business, maybe get someone who's mid-career and then the overseas uh, director can coach that person up into, into how you want to run your business and build them up from that. Um, I've just found that the more senior people, they don't want to, they, they just don't want to get bogged down in the details and some of the contract stuff. And that's just going to be required at first. Um, maybe bringing in someone a bit more senior uh, once you've got a bit more traction, but I've just seen, uh, you know, a lot of stalled starts um, when they, you know, a, a more senior person uh, is suddenly confronted with all kinds of paperwork requests and all this other stuff that they normally didn't do. Um, add to that, it's just going to be extremely difficult to, to find them. So if your strategy is going to be waiting for that person, you might be waiting several months because they would have to give up a really large book of business to make that transition. So all in all, I'd probably go with someone at kind of a mid-career level. Uh, and then, and then yeah, train them, train them up in how you want that business ran. Yeah. I mean, if I'm a listener, um, I want to know what is it actually like living in Tokyo? I think it's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> well, you it's clearly just, do. You've been there for 20 years, yeah, I mean, Jason. It's, it's, just, <laughs> well, again, it's, just like a, it's just like some kind of a time warp. It's like, you know, you'll remember stuff that you think happened just yesterday, but for the rest of the world, it was eight years ago. Um, it's safe. Um, the, the, the people are very friendly. Um, we talked about this, I think, in, in the previous podcast, but everybody honors a contract. And so it's, you know, if, if you've agreed to something, it gets done. Uh, the staff are very polite and they work hard, you know, and, and they, they take coaching very well. So, you know, it's just, it's just nice. I mean, it's, you know. But, I mean, Bernie, you actually landed there with no business, started a business, um, grew it. How is it from a business owner's perspective? Would you say? Uh, I, I think you think you've just got to adapt to to the nuances of Japan, right? I mean, when I first arrived, coming from from finance from from fintech in London, people wanted to see three candidates. I just send me a top three. In Japan, it wasn't like that. They they expected you to send ten, and they'll choose the top three. Um, so when I sent over the top three, they'd only interview one of them, even though they were very good. And it, it was just me 
you know, trying to put the London type of recruiting into, into Tokyo. And it, I'd adapt to their way, right? So, and once you do that, and it takes a year to, 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 to pull your finger out, if you know what I mean, and you do start, then, then you can start, you've got to understand, well, when you go there, ask lots of questions and find out what is the difference between recruiting here and in, in, uh, in the rest of the world. Also, be careful because recruiting is recruiting. Wonderful thing about this business is it works pretty much the same um, everywhere in the world. And don't let anyone else can, uh, tell you that. Beware of the person that says, well, in Japan, you know, um, you, the nuances are slightly different and learn those. But also don't, don't, uh, don't think that, uh, that it's completely different because it's not. Absolutely. And, and again, that's why I say that, you know, if you had a, a mid-career relatively you know well-established biller maybe in in your home market absolutely consider seeing that person out um i wouldn't recommend you send your absolute top star biller but maybe someone who does well um and particularly somebody who wants the challenge and and who seems open to uh some of the subtle nuances of working here but again that that's one that just as bernie mentioned that's one of the most surprising things that i'll tell clients and they'll they were saying, oh, we were expecting it to be totally They're human beings. They have families. They have concerns about things just like everyone else. It's just there are some things that are different, right? So if you're looking at a country that only has, you know, 2 to 3% unemployment, and a lot of the average people had lived at home until they were 30, and they've got, you know, 2 to 3 full years of salary stocked in the bank, they're not going to be as eager to change jobs, uh, and they're not going to be so attracted to, oh, it's you know, 3% more salary, would you like to move? It's like, no, I actually like the station I'm at because it's closer. You know, there's all kinds of, you have to learn those subtleties once you get here, but mm -hmm. absolutely send somebody from Great overseas. And this, and this leads us perfectly on to what we're going to discuss in episode three. So we're going to be discussing those nuances of cultural differences, things to be aware of, uh, risks of entering the Japanese market. And we're really going to be looking at aftercare as well which I know is something that's super important and, and that Jason, um, you're particularly passionate about. Um, so thank you so much, guys. Very welcome. Really Thanks. appreciate Pleasure. that. Thanks, Jason. That was great. Thanks. We'll be sharing those seven steps on our blog um, and you can connect with Jason uh, via LinkedIn. I'm Bernie too.